Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori LeBay, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm thrilled you're here with us today. If you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can find them on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. My own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, so I get it, and I know how much help we all need, and I also realize how much information and lessons we've learned over that time. And so we like to interview people all over the world, those living with dementia, those caring for them, both families and professionals, researchers, advocates, everyone is welcome. So maybe, just maybe you'll be our next guest. I'd love to see you here. Now, another platform um, that I have with my partner, Dave Widrick is Dementia Map. And if you haven't heard of it, you need to go check it out. We have over 150 different categories that you can search. We're growing each and every day. There's tons of great things. If you're looking for some respite and activities um, on our events calendar, uh, there's also a blog, a glossary. If you're like, what, what are these terms people are talking about? And uh, then, of course, the resource directory itself. So just go to DementiaMap.com. It's free to use. You don't have to sign in. And if you have a service product tool or information you'd like to share, just reach out to me and I will make sure to give you a tour and we'll get you all set up. Now, with COVID, I know everybody's exhausted and no one can believe March is coming around and it's going to be three years, but that's our reality. And so support groups, I think, are still really important and and gathering so you feel like you've got a sense of community. So I want to share two that I do. One is sponsored by Arthur's Senior Living, and it's called Arthur's Memory Cafe. And we gather the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at one o'clock central time. So that would be two Eastern, uh, noon Mountain Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And this is for people with dementia and their care partners. Uh, I also do another group that is sponsored by Brookdale North Oaks and the Shoreview Community Center called Caregiving Connect. Um, We typically meet in person at the Shoreview Community Center the last Wednesday of each month at 10 a.m. But with COVID, the last two months, um, we have met online. So again, reach out to me. I'll let you know exactly what we're doing and how we're going to do it. Um, But we'd love to have you be part of that as well. And then I want to mention Picnic Health, which is an Alzheimer's disease research project that you can get involved with at home online and earn 25 bucks to boot. Now, what they do is they collect and they digitize all of your medical records into one online account. And then you can go ahead and consent to share anonymized data of your records with medical researchers. And by examining this real world data from your medical records, 
researchers can find answers that they probably couldn't have found in other clinical trials. So know it's important to share your story and your, and so know it's important to share your healthcare journey. Um, and if you happen to be caring for someone with dementia and you've got legal consent, you can sign them up as well. Just go to picnichealth.com forward slash speaks. That's picnichealth.com forward slash speaks. We are going to hear now from Adaptive Equipment and the Caregiving Corner about the foot bar walker. And then we'll be right back to introduce our guests. I love the footbar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, Adapt it. Okay, we are back, and I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Dr. Lonnie Schicker is a retired registered nurse and professor of health administration who is now living with Lewy body dementia. She is the founder and host of the Facebook group and website, Dementia Living, and she is in the process of writing a book called Roller Skating to the Moon, a layman's guide to dementia. And with Lonnie tonight is Mary Allen. And she is a retired businesswoman who is caring for her husband, Jack, who has dementia, traumatic brain injury, and Parkinson's. She also is Lonnie's sister. Mary has participated in uh, focused caregiver groups for the Alzheimer's Association and is the Facebook and website administrator for Dementia Living. Well, Lonnie and Mary, I'm so happy to have you both with us today. This is going to be an, a very interesting conversation, learning about your journeys and, and your perspectives. But before we get started, I always like to ask my guest one question, and, and I've kind of introduced it with your intros, but if you can give us maybe a little bit more in depth of how you have been personally touched by dementia in your own family and circle of friends. And Lonnie, I'll let you go first, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I actually have Lewy body dementia, and it took a long time to get to that diagnosis. Um, But I did finally get a diagnosis of Lewy body and, um, you know, living with all of the actual physical symptoms of Lewy body, but I haven't had too much of a decline in my mentation. Okay, wonderful. And when did you get diagnosed? Uh, I was first diagnosed with MCI in 15. 
And then I got the Lewy body um, diagnosis two years ago. Okay. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. And Mary, how about you? Um, well, I think I've been affected. Lonnie's my sister. So her diagnosis, um, my husband also has dementia. He has um, P- caused by PTSD, traumatic brain injury, which has also caused uh, seizures and Parkinson's from Agent Orange in Vietnam. So he's a disabled Marine veteran. So I deal with it every day, taking care of him. And I've watched my what my sister's gone through when we lived in St. Both lived in St. Louis. I did help her son with her as much as I could. And if I can just add to that, she's still a continued support, even though I'm in North Carolina and she's in Las Vegas. She has been a continual continual source of support for me. She oh. we text every day. That's yeah. wonderful. There are so many different, you know, support groups and websites and Facebook, social media, all the things that are out there. Lonnie, why don't you tell people the name of your group and and why you think it's different? The name of my group is Dementia Living. And it's different because we support both caregivers and people with dementia and We really encourage them, uh, people living with dementia, to speak to the caregivers about what their needs are, how they see things. We really want that dialogue. Additionally, we don't allow people to come in and advertise their companies. If they have an organization like you do, we let them um, put that in there because that's additional support for them. Everybody isn't going to fit into one group, so we always make sure that we support that. But we don't let companies advertise. We we are very, very strong about um, those quick fixes that people put um, in, in our Facebook all the time, you know, potions and lotions and all these, uh, all these things that they say are going to cure Alzheimer's. We don't allow any of that so that there's no interference with the dialogue. And we constantly monitor it. Okay. Mary, anything to add to that? I just think it's a great support for people. It was good for me to be able to see other people, what they go through. Um, I think some of the issues that help them deal with their family member with dementia that I have tried with Jack and some of them work on him. Some of them don't. Everybody's different, but it's good to have those different viewpoints and, and support, you know. Mary, were you in any um, Facebook support groups or anything um, prior to launching this? Uh, for dementia, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. But for overall caregiving and, and maybe some different. No, specifics? I was a caregiver supervisor for two different home health companies, so. I had some experience in it. <laughs> some experience, some training, <laughs> some all kinds of stuff. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and Lonnie, when you got diagnosed, were you aware that there were even support groups out there? I was not until I connected with um, the Alzheimer's Association. I, I was on the early stage advisory group and suddenly heard about all of these 
different groups that were out there. And I was able to get a feel from people who had been diagnosed before me about the groups that are really dedicated to helping people living with Alzheimer's and our, our dementia. And the really good thing is that I go into all of them, but I didn't necessarily join all of them. So it's really fun for me, I think, to go in and out of these groups and kind of read what people are saying. Um, and I think people don't realize that you can do that. They think they have to join and then they feel like they have to be in there commenting. So it's kind of nice to go from one to the other and just kind of read what people are saying. You can pick up your individual topics. And so it's been really helpful. That's very true. A lot of people, you know, they feel guilty if they're kind of being a voyeur, but it's good to test out a group to see what is it like and do you even feel comfortable there? I think that's a really important thing and um, is very common because not everybody's outgoing and saying, oh, let me meet somebody else. (laughs) There are some people that are just, you know, very laid back or they're more introverted. And then this is a whole new platform because they're not meeting with them in person and you know, you hear about all the, the scams and are these people really real or there can, there can be a lot of mixtures that come, come together in terms of, of being able to pick a group. And I think so many people belong to a lot of different groups, members or not, but, you know, they like to hear the variety of voices that are out there as well. And so I think it's good that you're out there kind of hearing what's, you know, what's the heartbeat of the community and we will never have enough support groups in my, in my mind. I agree. And what, if I can say one more thing about our particular group is that we accept people with all kinds of dementia. Mm -hmm. Um, One group in particular, if you don't kind of meet their criteria for the kind of dementia, they ask you to leave even if you're getting support from them. So we accept all kinds. We even have some people who um, participate in our group who have dementia due to mental health issues. <laughs> and they, they have said that they can't find that support anywhere else, that they've been asked to leave. And, you know, it's been really helpful for them to hear people talk about what their struggle has been. And it's interesting to read theirs and helpful for them, I think, to get the support the same as everyone else gets. Yeah. Well, that's why I'd like to add to that because with Jet, not, you don't hear about many of them that dementia was caused by PTSD and traumatic brain injury the way his was. So it's good to have, that support and you know eventually maybe there'll be more people in there with the same thing yeah it's kind of like with the the cte from the sports and things too there's there's so many that aren't talked about or uh, from alcohol you know there's i mean there are so many dementias that aren't uh, that aren't spoken about. And then there are people who are, you know, are really lucky and I ring the bell, they get two and three diagnoses of different types of dementia, you know, the mixed dementias, and they're coming up with new names all the time, like MCI, you know, and, and even the early onset, those weren't really names in the beginning. Um, 
And now you have them talking about white matter and you're hearing the terms neurodiverse and you're, you know, and, you know, possibly Alzheimer's, you know, of the Alzheimer's type. And so the spectrum keeps getting broader and broader and broader. And and that's the same thing I find with my Alzheimer's speaks. People say, well, why don't you change the name? And I'm because it's going to change again. I can guarantee it. And it's not going to fit. So I'd rather focus on content and inclusion and education and building community, which is what it sounds like you guys are doing too. Mary, I wanted to ask you in terms of the flow and administration, you know, of the site itself, how did you decide to set it up? Is is it different or do you think it's fairly standard so that if people slip in and out of yours into another one, it's going to be familiar or... I think a lot of it's standard, but I think, you know, I try to welcome everybody that comes in there, whether they stay or not. So they feel like there is somebody there to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, as Lonnie said, you know, we don't allow people to sell stuff. I I watch for people who are doing surveys and, and talk to Lonnie about it because I don't want anybody with dementia that's on there being put at risk. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those surveys can be doing that. I've allowed college students to ask for surveys, but I vet them first. Mm -hmm. I make them send a letter that they are um, doing their dissertation or um, whatever program they're in and I, it has to be on letterhead from the university and the professor has to provide their phone number and their um, email address. And if they get all of that, I just put a notation on our site that says um, this person is a legitimate um, student who is looking for people to participate. If you're willing to participate, contact them, but there's no obligation. Mm-hmm. And the, the universities have been grateful. I've gotten two notes from universities saying, you know, this is so helpful and no one. And I said, if you have any issue with this, please um, text me or email me. Um, and I haven't heard anything. And I think the other unique thing is that I provide my email, my texting address and my phone number. And if they feel that they need to talk about something um, that's going on in there, something they're not satisfied with or support that they need, they're free to contact me. Well, that's really nice. Um, one of the surveys, and I don't know if um, they've contacted you or not, but is uh, I, I think it's a really valuable one. It's called the A-List and it's through Us Against Alzheimer's. And it's, and it's only about three or four questions that people um, that people take. And then they always get back to you on what the results of the survey were, which a lot of times you like, well, what was that all about? You know, whatever happened with that type thing. And so uh, I think, you know, something like that is really helpful. Plus they have other, um, they have groups, but they have educational programs. They have one of the most fabulous newsletters out there that comes out actually daily on all of the different, um, research that's going on and then they highlight people with dementia and caregivers as well and and stuff they're just really well well rounded with all of that so i just thought i'd mention that i also wanted to mention the importance of the welcome to the group um 
I don't know if you're familiar with Rick Phelps, but he started the the first um, kind of caregiver and dementia support group on Facebook. And the reason he did was he said, I never got a response. I would I would comment, but nobody would ever get back to me. I, he didn't know if he was kind of in a tin can all by himself, even though it looked like there were others out there. But I think that I hear over and over from so many people, they really like feeling validated and they like not being pressured. They like, you know, getting the options like it's okay if you don't respond. It's okay if you just peek in. And I've seen people, and I'm sure you guys have too, that'll say, you know, I've been in this, I've been in this group but haven't participated for two years. And this is my first post. (laughs) And to me, I just, that just takes my breath away that in two years, it took them two years to feel safe to comment or, or feel that they had information to help somebody else. Uh, And one of the beauties I think of, again, um, groups like yours is so often, I think people think that they don't have they don't have any information. They're looking for information, but they forget they have more information than somebody else who's just starting. And, you know, we're never all going to have all the information. It's just never going to happen. So, you know, I just encourage people to step in, learn, but give, you know, shoot it back out, um, share the information. I think that's one of our our biggest problems is people aren't sharing good knowledge bases and, and resources with one another. We're getting ready to, it'll be probably summer before we actually do it, but we're going to launch what we're calling circles. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been really effective over in Europe. There are several of these where you ask people in to, in their community, set up and arrange a conference. Mm -hmm. Now they're probably going to have to do it um, by zoom with COVID Um, until it clears up, but they'll actually arrange and set up their own conference. A lot of people feel like when there's a conference for people living with dementia, they feel almost childlike, like we've, we've arranged this for you and we have everything set up and, you know, we've arranged for food. And, and so they feel kind of childlike because this is being done for them. So what they found is if they do all of the organizing and they do the setup and they invite the people that everyone feels included and they feel really good about the fact that this is them, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not somebody leading it or guiding it who doesn't have dementia because nobody knows It feels different for everyone, but nobody knows what it feels like to have dementia except the people living with dementia. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's been very effective over there. So we're hoping to do circles. So we'll some of our people who are stronger in the group will start with them and ask them, you know, even if you only have three or four people, it's a start to your group. And we're hoping to kind of have these circles and then they can kind of talk about content that people are comfortable with in our group after they're done. So, so is, that, will these be um, dementia living circles or are you yes. collaborating with someone else or, okay. No, these will be ours. Um, we would love to collaborate with someone else. We just haven't found anyone. Most of the groups have their own things going on, mm-hmm. but if we find a group that will collaborate with us, we would love that. 
Okay. Um, because I know that there's like um, a DAA, Dementia Action Alliance, where the voice of dementia is pretty strong. And then Dementia Minds, those are both local in the US. That. And then you have DAI, Dementia Alliance International. Right. And so that, but so many people don't know these things even exist. But I think everything you just mentioned is so important. I know when, when I started the, the Memory Cafe, we kind of had that same concept of, okay, you know, we're the organizers, we're the facilitators. So we've got the venue and we'll set up the tables and we'll lay out the food and we'll arrange the chairs and we'll get the name tags and in, you know, and then people can just come in and we'll start. And what we found was hilarious. And we kind of slapped ourselves in the face for like, not realizing this because when you have a party, everyone comes into the kitchen because they want to help. You know, what can I help right. you set up with? And, you know, when you're building a community and the sense of family, which I think is so strong in these groups, that's what people want to do. And so, you know, we stopped doing that and people came, you know, we started our meeting a little bit. We thought we'd start a meeting a little bit later, but what we found was people came in early to help yes. and set up. And we also found, which I, which I thought was really interesting um, because it really showed ownership in the group. So this would be something to keep in mind for, you know, if you do in-person circles, what we found was they really liked having kind of plastic kind of permanent um, name tags with little clips that we just kind of put in a little basket and the newbies got the peel and stick. And when you decided to join then you, you know, you were a formal part of the family, but that was, that surprised me that something I think that can be really overlooked in terms of value and and feeling included and part was really important. And my plan is to run it a bit. I used to go to, um, to Al-Anon meetings with a friend um, for support They you know, they can, you can bring a kind of support person Mm -hmm. and, the more I thought about those meetings, the more I understood the value of only having people with that issue discussing the issue. And, you know, so it's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, where everyone in the room is dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And there's a level of confidentiality. So that if somebody doesn't want you speaking about it to the outside, um, they can feel comfortable that no one's going to go out and talk about it. Um, But if it's something that they choose to share, then they're welcome to share it. And they're welcome to share it on the the, uh, Facebook group. So, you know, having that, well, I had a meeting um, when... I was in the early stage advisory group. There was a meeting that was just us, the people living with dementia. And it was amazing how different everyone was in that group Mm -hmm. than they were in the larger group with the, um, with the supervision of someone. People were much freer to talk about the things that they go through and, and how certain people make them feel. So that's kind of the idea. We want to we want to get that kind of group where people really feel free to just let go of of all of the um, issues that they have. Well, and I think too in some of the groups, I mean, there is a, a set agenda. And some organizations have people sign contracts. You don't discuss publicly anything but our agreed agenda. 
And I know for a lot of people with dementia, they're like, I, well, I'd, I'd love to come on your show, but I, I can't talk about that. And I'm like, and I, and I was surprised because I didn't know that that happened because, you know, my mom lived with dementia 30 years. And by the time we even found out about the Alzheimer's Association, you know, she was further along in her stages and stuff. But I thought, oh, what a shame, because there's so much brilliance in the insights you guys have. And that's one of the reasons I started like dementia chats where we, I facilitate a conversation. And that's one of the reasons I started like dementia chats. I facilitate a conversation where it's just you guys talking. You don't come forward just to complain. You have ideas on how to change it and how to make it better. And, you know, so it's, it's not this, and I'm going to just going to use the word bitch session, which sometimes support groups can be, and then that can be not productive and people go, gosh, I, I feel worse now than I did when I, when I started, Absolutely. <laughs> you know? and then others say, well, I feel a lot better because that person has it worse than I do. I mean, there's all different levels to exactly. that, but yeah. I think keeping it upbeat and purposeful and, and realistic because you can't pretend it's everything's peachy keen when it's not, you have to be able to constructively identify or at least talk about the problem so others in the group can help you identify what's the trigger and then and once you know that then you can look at oh well we could probably fix that pretty easy and there's a lot of things that can be fixed pretty easy if we would just have an a comfortable spot to have a conversation to begin with exactly exactly so you know fingers crossed hoping that um we can at least get a couple of groups going so we can see how it, how it works out or see what we can do to tweak it so that people want to attend. Yeah. The other group that I think would be really interesting is uh, for you guys to hook up with, and it's kind of hard right now with COVID, um, but the dementia friendly America and all the different dementia friendly communities. um, I think one of the biggest downfalls with all of those, and I, and I'm part of that stuff is there's a lot of work being done, but most haven't attracted people with dementia. And it's because of the structure in which they're given. And this would give them an opportunity to, to change that in their community. I started working on the dementia-friendly Missouri, but mm-hmm. now that I've moved here, maybe I'll start working on it here. I just offered to start the investigation process, start talking to people in legislature locally. And, you know, you start getting these local groups and then it's easier to go to state legislators and say, you know, it's working in this county Mm -hmm. and it's working in this county. So um, I already kind of set up some of those connections before I left. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and I know with uh, the Dementia Minds group, I'll I'll just mention this, but I I was in a meeting uh, that they they were meeting with some of the dementia-friendly communities here in Minnesota. And their goal is to have like a, you know, a a Dementia Minds in every state that really pulls in people. So again, it might be um, something to look into, but we don't have to put all our eggs in one basket either. There's there's way too many people to help. And there's a lot of variables within this, we're never going to have enough people and enough services. 
Uh, the numbers are growing. And now with COVID, they're, they're going to go even higher. And those haven't even been rolled into the numbers yet with all of this stuff. So now, Lonnie, you're also in the process of, of writing a book. Why don't you tell us about that? So the book is called Roller Skating to the Moon, mm-hmm. and it, it the title has to do with the fact that that's something that I say. My my two of my dearest friends, um, actually, I said to each of them at one point, I would roller skate to the moon for you, and it's kind of how caregivers feel about the person that they're taking care of, they would do anything to make it better. And people who have dementia would do anything to get rid of it. Um, So that's kind of where the title comes from. We don't know if the publisher will keep that title, but that's the working title right now. The book is based on a person living with dementia, basically Um, for each section, for the financial section, for the introduction, for the research, the types of dementia, I do a narrative first. And then we talk about it um, in terms of like the research and, and what it is. And for instance, in the financial section, I talk about the struggles that I went through in the beginning. I literally used my entire 401k Because I had no idea that I wouldn't have any insurance coverage when Mm -hmm. I left the university unless I wanted to pay. It was almost a thousand a month for, um, I can't remember what insurance. Yeah, for the insurance. So um, I decided to uh, take a chance and roll the dice and not purchase that. And I ended up really sick for a while and to pay the hospital bill pretty much and the and the providers I ended up using it and so I talk about planning and you know what I wish I would have done and then we bring it in we bring in the practical like um, this is what you do you consult a financial advisor you um, make sure that your money is stable and invested so that you have it if you have to go um, to a facility And um, we talk about COBRA and those kinds of things. And then we end it with, um, which I think is really the bonus in this book, with a QR code at the end of every chapter. And they'll click, they'll be able to to, um, use their phone on the QR code. And it actually is going to take them to updates and forms and Um, Like we have things under the financial section, we have things like um, legal Zoom, um, how to contact your state to find out where there's financial financial help, where there are attorneys um, who work on prorated um, schedules. So there'll be links to all of those things when they click, and that'll be at the end of each chapter. And then there's a care plan that they actually the the person living with dementia and their caregiver can actually do this care plan together so that everybody has a say kind of in how they think things should be done and it the care plan will work as they progress even so and then the very end of the book is what I think is really the bonus 
is that there's a QR code that takes them to a website where they can record things about, you know, they can record stories, they can record pictures, they can record, you know, anything that they want and it'll be stored in the cloud and they'll always have access to it. And then additionally, the the family can communicate with one another on there. Is there a and fee for that to be able to do that? No. Okay, cool. No, we have, we have, um, this is so important. We have a benefactor who actually um, is backing the development of all of that. And so it'll be out there. It'll be free. They'll be able Sweet. to record those. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Because there's nothing better than looking back and seeing their face and hearing their voice and, um, you know, remembering, recording that together. And we'll have a set of questions. You know, these are some questions you might want to ask. And Mm -hmm. um, we also have a section about nomenclature and about um, how to communicate with someone as their dementia progresses. So it's really a comprehensive book. Um, It's almost done. Now we're just working, finding an agent, which is um, the, the hard part is getting an agent. Yep. Um, Get used to those rejection letters as you yeah. send those things out. That's, that's what, what I said. That's what everybody says. <laughs> We've gotten a couple of rejection letters and I said, this is good news. It means that they read what we sent. Yeah. So this is, this is good news that they're looking at it. And um, we have about 25 out right now, and I have about 40 more to go. Okay. But each of them wants something different. So that's the really difficult part. Yep. Yep. One thing, I don't know if you have this in there or if you're familiar with them, but um, in your care plan, if if people are kind of trying to figure out, you know, how how do they want to be cared for, um, Compassion and Choices, it has a free section dementia specific, but I think it's much broader than that. And they have, I want to say four or five levels of care. Like if I get pneumonia, you know, give me the shot. And then all the way to nope, don't give me anything and don't even feed me, you know, when I have this. And then it has, if, if multiple things happen and you get to pick your multiples, do you want your care level to change? And I just, and it's free, you know, for people to be able to do, but I think it's uh, to me, I mean, a lot of this stuff can happen if you get in a car accident or have a stroke or a heart attack and stuff as well. And um, I, I just thought I would throw that out there in case that was that was of interest um, to yeah, add in. Yeah, there. absolutely. I wrote that down. We definitely will look at that. I think that would be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, that sounds really exciting. Now, um, I know you're developing more things on social media, like this whole QR code stuff. And um, what what all do you have for social media um, out there? We've set up a website. It, well, it's still in progress, but at least it's there. And, and we actually um, applied for .org. So um, we have that in progress and a lot of the content is getting loaded in. So, um, and that website will have um, a lot of the information that will be in the book, but it won't be as comprehensive, but there'll be things that people can access because we certainly want people, the idea of the book is, you know, we're not planning on it being a huge moneymaker. We want 
people to have that information at their fingertips. That's why we're doing the QR codes with the updates. Mm-hmm. We want people to have one place that they can go to and find that information. And so the website, well, that's pretty much what our focus is on our website. Okay. Um, we opened up, you know, all the accounts that you have to, to be an influencer on Facebook. We reached 600 um, uh members in our group in within uh, about a month. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're hoping to get into the thousands. But in the meantime, we did breach enough to be able to do the influencer um, stuff that you have. And there are many steps you have to take. And then I'm doing some um, YouTube videos and they should be out. I've been practicing. <laughs> I feel like I have to practice before I actually get on the microphone and do it. Um, and there are three in, in, I would say in production because I've already written them and they just, it's just a matter of getting them on there. And then of course, Instagram and all of that other stuff that publishers want you to have, uh, an internet presence, a strong internet presence. And so, uh, we're doing all of those things, but we're keeping the content kind of wrapped around the content of the book because that's really where our heart is, is making sure that people know what's really going on in the dementia community and figuring out how they're going to live the rest of their lives. Well, and you're right. Publishers do want all that because they don't have the money to market like they used to. And so when you sign with somebody, they want to know what's your marketing plan to get this, to get this all out. And one thing I would just mention um, to you and anyone listening, when it comes to YouTube, uh, and again, take this with a grain of salt, because it's just my opinion. But I think people are really tired of the professional commercials, you know, addressing them, I think it's perfectly fine to to just have a cam- casual conversation. I mean, you look at TikTok and all of those things. I mean, people are just on the fly doing it, but uh, my stuff is not polished by any stretch. But the feedback I've gotten was, you're real. And when you're real, it doesn't seem so hard to take that information and apply it yourself. And, you know, if you screw up, you screw up. I mean, and people with dementia are, and their families are the first ones to say, that is nothing. Come, come, come in my life. You want to see screwed up, you know, live with dementia. And so they're so forgiving. I mean, they don't even, they don't even notice those little ticks and tacks that, that we self-criticize ourselves for because it, it, the conversation is a value, the information. I know my friend said she couldn't find her phone anywhere. And I said, welcome to my world. <laughs> I lose my phone 20 times a day. I'm looking for it all the time. And sometimes it's in my hand. Um, you know, it's just, and that's just part of dementia. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really helpful to be yourself. And, you know, when I can't find a word for, to ask for it, what am I trying to say? Mm-hmm. You know, and it really does help. I know I'm like this and most people I know are like this. They don't want to be um, corrected or they don't want somebody to jump in with the words, but they want to be able to ask for the word if they mm-hmm. need it. Um, and I'm never afraid to do that. I'll always say, what am I, 
what am I trying to say here? You know, I, I have the general idea, but I've lost the words. Yep. No. And I think, I think that's a wonderful technique that should be talked about more because I think care partners wonder, you know, what's what, and sometimes care partners, you know, they get a little antsy and they're like, come on, let's go. We got to go to the store, right. you know, <laughs> they're, just, they're ready to like, let's just wrap this conversation up and get on to the next thing. And those, I mean, those are real life things that happen. Um, to all of us. But I think of, you know, I'm 62, I get together with my girlfriends. And sometimes we just shake our heads going, because none of us can think of the word, you know, and then about right. two in the morning, there's texts going out, it was, you know, so and so, or it was this or that. Exactly. And, and so when you look at it, that, and I don't, I don't think I have dementia. Um, I haven't been di- diagnosed with it. And I don't think my friends have. But that's part, it's part of aging. And when it happens with dementia, I think if we can look at it, like just friends helping one another out, right? it puts it in a whole different light too, instead of weighing that, oh my gosh, things have changed. Well, we've all forgotten words. Hello. Right. And probably not all that long ago, if we're honest about it, <laughs> you know, exactly. if we, if we choose to remember it, you know, and, but that's the difference, the choice of, of remembering versus not being able to recalling. Um, but I think the more we can, you know, accept it and just adapt together, the better off we all will be. I'll tell you just a quick funny story is that I get lost in the store a lot. Um, that seems to be a, a, a problem for me. And I have one of those carts because I had a stroke not too long ago. And so I was driving in one of those little carts and I was trying to find my way through the aisles and I got stuck, literally stuck in a corner. And I thought I was all by myself, um, like in the corner, I'm trying to work my way out. And I finally just stopped and I went, nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, instead, instead of like asking somebody for help, it was just what popped into my head because I didn't know, how, I couldn't figure out how to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw, when I said it, this man started laughing hysterically, but then he also Helped, helped me. Yep. So, you know, sometimes you just have to say what's in your head at the moment and see if somebody can figure it out for you. Yep. Well, and laugh with it. You know, yeah. it's just get on to the, the next phase, you know, of things I, I think is really, really important. Um, Mary, you were really shaking your head when you were saying she gets lost and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I, you want to add there? Yeah. When we were in St. Louis and we go out shopping, I'd have to, I spent most of my time locating her Mm -hmm. because she also wanders off. Okay. And very common. Yep. And, and that would happen with Jack also, but now he has to hold on to the cart or walker or something because of his Parkinson's. So, okay. Now I can keep track of it. So let me ask you both this. Do you use the cards that say, you know, I've got dementia and then on maybe the backside, you know, says who, you know, if you're lost, who to contact or I'm a care partner in case something happens to me, I'm caring for somebody with dementia. You I guys- think I'll show you this if any, if you can see it. Mm-hmm. This is a tag that I, I'm in love with QR codes. This has a <laughs> QR code on it. And it like, even if an ambulance had to come, they literally can get this QR code and it takes them into 
the MyChart Epic system. And that's how I have mine set up. You can set it up any way you want, but then they can see my whole medical record. So they don't have to worry about what medications are you on? What conditions do you have? It's all right there for them. When they, when they click on it, it gives them also my login and password. So they can go right in and look at that chart. Um, It's a simple, inexpensive device that you can get through Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure they have them other places, but yeah, I, I also have a card in my wallet that says that I have dementia um, and I have an ID bracelet that says like dementia and diabetes so that um, people can see that right away. I have myself well covered and, you know, part of that has to do with a story that happened in St. Louis where a woman um, went off of the side of a bridge and she got stuck upside down in the water for days and um when they when they found her finally she couldn't explain what happened and they found a bracelet on her that said I have dementia so they were able to then you know start the process it had her in in case of emergency the ice is the most important thing I think is that they can contact someone yep um who can help them out so but she she had no idea where she was or how long she had been there or um, who her family was, but they were able to trace that through her bracelet. So, okay. Yeah. The only thing I would be a little bit worried about um, what you had said on your bracelet is if the wrong person got a hold of your necklace, because yeah. then, then they would have your social security and, and the whole nine yards or possibly your social security number. It just, a lot of the medical has gotten better at not listing that. Right. Um, so, Mine doesn't have, when you go into my chart, it doesn't have any demographic information mm-hmm. except for your name mm-hmm. and it has your patient number, which wouldn't help them at all. Yep. And so all of the demographic stuff is under your patient number. So that wouldn't help them. And so I've been, I was really careful about that before I did it. Okay. I spoke with the physicians and they went in and said, this is all they can get using that number is basically nothing because they don't have the login for it. Well, good. I'm glad I brought that up and you clarified that on that. How about you, Mary? Do you have any identifier on yourself at all? No, not really. Jack's with me all the time or I'm with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, uh, he can't be left alone Mm -hmm. anymore. So, uh, at this point, no, How's that 24 seven working out for you? Oh my God. (laughs) It's, uh, it's a challenge, Mm -hmm. but, uh, he, no, we don't have, we have official papers with the VA that I carry, Mm -hmm. but that's about it. Okay. Cause I, I've just heard stories of, you know, the care partner getting in a car accident or having a heart attack. And even if the person is with you, they may not stay with you in a serious exactly. situation. And then no one knows there was someone else that needs attention. And so that's, that's why I really highly recommend having something like that. Um, yeah, also, probably should. Yeah. Also, if um, 
He's uh, actually my ice on my phone and I'm his. So, uh-huh. okay, cool. If they got our cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just never know these days at all with stuff like that. Well, this has been really interesting. Mary, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think we should cover? Uh, no, I think um, the one thing Lonnie didn't bring up is she's getting ready to start a subgroup out of the dementia living for caregiver support. Also. Okay. Okay. So if you're a caregiver and we get a lot of those questions, though, I think online now on dementia living mm-hmm. is people not knowing, you know, what do you do in this case? What do you do in that? case you know not everybody's the same so you can give them suggestions like I said earlier and I've tried some some have worked some don't Mm -hmm. Um, when you're dealing with somebody with PTSD it's a challenge anyway I did forget to mention that we're setting up two subgroups one for people with dementia and one for people um, who are caregivers and I think that'll be helpful because, you know, we have that group where everybody can communicate, but I've noticed a lot, and Mary has noticed as well, a lot of people who say, um, this is for you caregivers, I really need advice about this, and they, because everybody's in there, they don't want to complain about Mm -hmm. what's going on, and so this would give them an opportunity to really just communicate with people who are struggling with what they're struggling with. And and in an honest fashion, not worrying about is someone going to get upset or whatever with this, because that's that's their reality. So yeah, I I think that that's that's nice. You really seem to be listening to the group um, and building the community for what the community needs. And not all groups do that. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of groups out there that this is, this is who we are. This is how we do it. And we're never, ever going to change, <laughs> you know, <Right>. and <laughs> you, you go find another group. And I've always been of the philosophy of listen to the group and go with the flow of the group, because that's why the group was developed was to meet the, in my mind, to meet the needs of the group. Like I said, I don't think we can have enough of that in this world. So kudos to both of you. If you want to uh, get a hold of um, Lonnie and Mary, you can go to the website, which right now is DementiaLiving.com, but you're updating that, it sounds like, to be a .org, but right now it's DementiaLiving.com, or you can just search Dementia Living on Facebook, and you will, you will come up to their group, and I would imagine when you get those subgroups, those will show up as well if they put in Dementia Living. They will. And then your email is DementiaMoon at yahoo.com, dementia moon at yahoo.com. And um, do you want me to give out your phone number? Is that okay? Okay. So phone number, if you have questions or or want to chat is 314-459-8242. Again, ladies, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. And um, your compassion and your heart to share with us today. Really appreciate it very much. Thank and you, thank for, you Lori, for all your hard work. What so, a wonderful organization. I just, I'm so impressed with the work that you do. If it wasn't for my mom having dementia, I wouldn't be here, you know, doing what I'm doing. So this is uh, this is a combination of her and I working together. And, you know, she's been gone since 2014 
and we keep trying to identify new needs. Like we were talking offline. Now we're doing the dementia and the arts where people with dementia can show, show their beautiful artwork, what they get out of it, what the meaning is. And hopefully we'll, we'll get a gallery and get some stuff on tour. I think that it's just so powerful and it shows the purpose and the passion and the abilities that so many people think don't exist. Just like with your circles, you're, you're empowering people to get together and to communicate and, and feel part of a community. And just as you're doing through your, your chat room, you know, on Facebook and stuff as well. And I look forward to your book coming out and being able to visit your website with the QR codes. I think that's a really cool, cool idea. So listeners, please uh, like, click and share. Don't keep this information a secret. You know, we're all, we're all better with more information and know that you are filled with lots of lessons too. You might not feel like it. You might feel overwhelmed, but that just says you've been on the journey and you've gathered some knowledge and someone just starting it could probably use your help. So thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank okay. you. It's time to rethink, renew and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.